Hey everyone, welcome to The Recruitment Show. We are talking about all of the major topics that people are discussing right now. Everything recruiting, future of work, and everything in between. I've got guests from all over the world to come and share their perspective and their thoughts and feelings and all of that stuff on these key topics. It might not be politically correct. It might not be what you want to hear, but it's people's perspectives and it's important to hear people's perspectives. I love storytelling and I think one story can illuminate a million more and really increase our understanding of these topics. So sit back, whether you're watching live or after, grab a drink, take a seat and enjoy. Simon, welcome to the show. Hey, Lewis. Hey, everybody. Excited to be here. Thanks for coming. How are you? Oh, life is great in Vienna, Austria. The world is a mess and life is great. The world is a mess, although the world's probably not as bad as people think. I read a, I read a really good book, um, Factfulness. If you've never read, everyone, if everyone hasn't read Factfulness, you should read Factfulness. Um, because people always have a little slight negative tint on what the world is about, is, is like. But I'm an optimist, Simon. I can't help it. Yeah, Factfulness was written before before some major macroeconomic events. But it's still, it's it, still. the thesis is still right. Uh, education yes. is going up. Poverty is going lower. And in general, we're moving towards the right direction still. After that book, supply chains broke down. The the most economies collapsed, and um, but in in total, we're moving in the right direction. We'll be back. We'll be back, Simon. I will be back. I think. I hope. You gotta hope. You gotta hope. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to introduce yourself for our uh, for our listeners and viewers? It'd be great to hear. I know you're on a world book tour at the moment. So, I'm Simon Severino. It's 21 years that I do only one thing, uh, coach executives on how to enter a market, crush it in the market and stay in the market. So we do everything, go to market. And we have worked with the teams at Google, BMW, AppV, Consilience Ventures, Mgen, the smart teams that have smart competitors. And so they have to innovate they have to think about culture. They have to think about innovation. They think, have to think about being fresh, being unique, and solving very relevant things. And when you think about relevant things, that's dynamic. Like from the book Factfulness, there, there were three, three, four major global events happened. And that's how fast stuff is changing out there for leaders. And so since leaders are listening here, we will go into how to run a company in very uncertain conditions. When the weather is changing all the time, how do you navigate the waters, right? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, things change at such a pace right now. Um, it's been ridiculous. I mean, even the last, even the last three, four years, I mean, when COVID hit and since then, I mean, it's just, it's relentless. It's relentless. Can you, are you finding with all the training you're doing, can, can anyone be a leader? Like, what do you? What's the definition of a leader? If the definition of a leader, it's somebody that's, whose behavior influences others, 
then everybody is a leader. My kids lead me in being present, in being joyful, in being creative, in learning new skills. And we all lead by the decisions that we take. Uh, do I do A or B right now? Do I say A or B right now? In that moment, there is a moment of leadership. But if I choose that word over that other word, because some words have more of a higher frequency than others. So if I choose that, I'm leading in one direction. If I choose a low frequency, low hope word, I'm, I'm leading in another direction. So we are all leading in every moment. But probably you are asking, hey, the role, the specific role, can that be learned? And if we look at one role like CEO, I think that can be learned because there are only five tasks in that role. And so the learning is delegating all the other tasks and not taking them onto your plate, even if they, they want to come back. Because as a CEO, you have only five tasks. It's culture, growth, hiring, firing, and governance. Those are the five tasks. But to get there, though, I mean, do you think everyone's suited to it? I mean, the tasks are the tasks. But to become a CEO, I mean, you know, you could become a CEO of a big company, small company. I always always talk about being the CEO of your life um, as well. But um, but I, I think, you know, I, if you look at good leaders, I mean, I think it's a little bit of people are born with the traits. Sports are a good example. You know, you see the captain of the team and like... People follow them. Yeah, but think about them when they were like 14 years old. So I think to be an entrepreneur, that's a thing of nature. You have to be built with a specific temperament and intensity and unemployability in the first place. <laughs> that's really, it's low, less than the 2% of the global population. Yeah. And they have no other choice. They have to build. They are forces of nature. That's entrepreneurs. That's if you ask me, yeah. if you ask me for CEOs, yeah. which is everybody who starts something and then you're a passionate founder builder, and then you have three freelancers, and then you have five employees, and then you have 50 employees, this can be learned. Um, I had to learn it from scratch. I'm terrible at, at managing people, at everything HR, terrible. But I had to learn it. Uh, I didn't know how to do sales and marketing. I had to learn it. I had all these little things on my plate. I had to learn how to not take on tasks that are on a department level. So I ca we can even go through yeah. the stages of how you learn to be a Please, CEO. Please, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. But the first one is, yes, you follow your passion. You do great stuff. At some point, you realize now you are the limiting factor. Um, that's the moment when you have to start writing down your tasks and handing them over. So first writing down, that's systemizing, and then delegating to a software, to a freelancer in, in the quickest and most affordable way first. Later on, this will be your full, full team members. This is when you start getting out of the weeds. And the first step is to write down the three departments. A business is 
marketing, sales, and operations. Marketing is you start talking to strangers and say, hey, this is how I can help. Sales is you start actually helping them. And operations is you deliver <laughs> what you promised. Yeah. So these are the three building blocks if we want to simplify it. And so you start by writing down your marketing processes, sales processes, and operations processes, even if you are just one person. This is the first step. And from there, you can create a full SOP manual, processes manual, standard operating procedures, basically checklists, and this is how we do it, everything in one place. When you have that, now you are two levels above fulfillment. Now you work on your business, not in your business. And this is where you just have five tasks. Yeah. And you are operating now from a much... Um, now you're more like a gardener. Before you were hustling and grinding and it was a ton of hours, yeah. right? And now you are more like a gardener. You pass by every day. You give the water. You give water. You give minerals. I think it's great. I mean, I so what I set up my business, I'm an entrepreneur probably one of those people that would never have been employed. Uh, but being I also, to quote another book, there's a great book called The E-Myth Revisited by Robert Gerber. And a coach I had early on recommended I read the book and read this book. And it's great. And it's, it echoes a little bit of what you said, working, the importance of working on your business, not just in your business. So, you know, a bakery is a good example. You know, you can bake the cakes, bake the bread, but working on it. And, and to your point also, you don't really have a business until you start identifying what tasks you need doing and start outsourcing to outsourcing them to folks, whether that's hiring people in or outsourcing them to others and stuff. So I think it's good. I think to challenge you on it a little bit, I think there's a, there's a few different avenues to being a CEO, whether it's small firm, large firm and different paths. And, and I always see that if we, if we talk about entrepreneurs and, and people building companies, I often see the founder probably shouldn't be the CEO a lot of the time. And I, and I, and I often find they're po possibly the stumbling block to further growth. Do you, do you see that in, in some of the clients that you work with or, or do you disagree? Yes, in many sprints, we, we change the roles in the team or sometimes we help them hire from the outside. So that's why it's important to define those five tasks because you don't learn them at school. You don't learn them in your family. And you don't even learn them in MBAs. I teach in MBAs. So I know that that's not what we equip people with. There is no practical MBA. Unfortunately, there is no practical MBA where you learn these things. So these are the five tasks. And the first time you get promoted to management, you start feeling this, oh, I was performing so well. And now... I'm responsible for the performance of others. I miss it. I can be fast and get a ton of applause. I miss that. So if you really miss it, then you shouldn't be a manager. You can go back and be the highest performer in the room, which is, for example, for salespeople, a very lucrative way of being is the only role that makes more money than the CEO. And uh, for a good reason, because you are performing at your best and you are bringing in the oxygen for the future growth. So yeah. it can be a very viable way to say, hey, I miss 
improving my performance. So just go back and somebody else will manage. I love that. I mean, and just to, 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 to explore that point a little bit more, in society and in, 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 in companies, you often get, the best sales folks often get pushed into sales leadership roles. The, you know, you just, it's almost like just a classic progression. And, and I feel a lot of people feel that they should, you know, if they want to progress, they should. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of leaders also find it difficult to know what to do if they're best performing salespeople and keeping them motivated. If, if it's not, you know, progressing them up into management, but, you know, to, for, and also the other thing is just to say, like, if you want to be an individual contributor to your point and just be the best sales person in the company, that's great. You know, I, I think it's, you need to be, let's say confident or self-aware enough that it's a, it's a good career choice. If you want to be an individual contributor, you don't have to want to become a manager. Um, I think sometimes people look at it as maybe lack of ambition or, or something, but I, I don't think that's the case at all. No, there are two distinct career pathways and both are valid. One is just, you know, being a high performer and the other one is enabling high performers. So you can be, you know, the you can be the weapon or you can be sharpening the weapon and both are very valid. And this and this was said um 600 before Christ by I think it was uh Pythagoras. Um, who said you are either you know the knife or the sharpener of the knife? You decide and you become good at it, and that's it's still valid today. And both is fine. You can yeah. be um, just high performing and improving, improving, improving on that, like an athlete does. And a very few athletes become coaches of other athletes, and it's usually after their active career. In my case. Uh, I I can say I had the chance to grow into the next role and it was very different. The challenge is you have to let go of some things. My metaphor is I moved from star to galaxy. Nice. So you don't have, you can be a star and enjoy being a star. The world needs stars and it's great to have stars. And if you want, you can take that chance that's coming to you and say, all right, I'm given the chance now to hold much more responsibility. Not everybody can hold more responsibility. You are becoming, you know, a mother and a father to a system, to a team. That's yes. a higher responsibility than just being the star. Yeah. But it's also spiritual work. You know, my, my yoga teacher has some mantras for us in the beginning before each yoga session. He says, all the rules are my rules. I'm responsible for everything. I'm not the mind. I'm not the body. And I am a mother to the world. If we just pick out, I am a mother to the world, that means I take on responsibility to nourish and hold space for other people. And they can be far away from your country, yeah. but you have you have a remote team. You are holding space for them. So it comes with personal development, and I would even say with spiritual development, because it's less and less, it's more and more letting go of the ego 
and thinking about ecosystems and community and teams. Yeah. So systems, it's moving from ego to systems, which is something that will comes with life, makes you more mature anyways, is a practice that will liberate you and make you more mature anyways. It's, it's better to to have that path anyways in life. And so you can use business to catalyze that. You've, you're obviously quite self-reflective. And I mean, I guess you knew early on that you wanted to, to become a leader and stuff. But there's a lot of folks I speak with and they're at a crossroads. You know, maybe they are, you know, the next step for them in their, in their company is management or leadership role or to be an individual contributor, but they're not sure. They're still, ex- like, are there any, any advice you could give to folks that are at that moment where they're trying to, they're trying to explore, like, what would it suit them? You know, what does their leadership look like? What would be the meaning of going and being a leader? Should they be uh, an individual contributor? Like, what would you suggest that they do? In each moment, when you have the chance to decide, I would ask myself the question, does this empower me or not? And so for some people, being a salesperson and having the chance to lead the sales team, maybe you answer that question with, yes, this empowers me because it enables me to learn to die, to learn to let go from my ego and become part of taking bigger responsibilities. So if you feel, yes, this is empowering me, do it. And of course, you don't know how to do it. Get a coach. And then there are good processes for that. All right? Yeah. And so the process will come. Don't worry. But you have to feel inside of yourself, is this empowering me or not? And if you feel, no, this is not, then it's also fine. Stay where you are. Just get incrementally better than you are an athlete and and it's fine to be a a high performing athlete why not stay there but if you feel yes this is empowering me i just have no clue how to do it well then welcome to your next stage of evolution and get a coach get a good process (laughs) there are processes in the book by the way much cheaper than a coach the strategy sprints book has exactly those processes I was going to ask you, are there any books that you would recommend that influenced your own leadership style? I mean, would, but yes, what did you, what well, did... there are so many amazing books. You mentioned Michael Gerber. That was an amazing book. Um, there, there were giants who described this, like um, Jay Abraham and Clayton Christensen. Brilliant. Uh, there are amazing, there are hundreds of books that have influenced... Um, those transitions into taking on higher responsibility. Yeah. A very practical cookbook that I literally use is, is the Strategy Sprints book because I open up that specific chapter and, you know, leaders are, are busy. <laughs> so they have bottlenecks to solve. Let's say this week they have the hiring problem. Then in this case, they go to chapter 12, the hiring chapter, and they find literally the checklist of what to do right now. And in another week, they have a sales bottleneck. So they go to chapter three and go directly to the sales bottleneck. It's like a cookbook. Recipes, checklist, this is the next step, sample, transition, this is how transition will feel. Uh, Be be careful when this happens because if you do this, then this happens next. 
So this is the emotion and this is the, the behavior. And so it helps them navigate those specific uh, transitions. What made you write the book? I had finally time because there was the pandemic and I, was yes. not, I wasn't in playing all the time. So I had time to do it. And my team was begging me to do this since uh, a decade now. Wow. Uh, and I had finally time to do it because, you know, we are coaching every day, 12 to 16 leaders. And we know what's working and what's not working for them. And the thing that are working, we, of course, save them as tools for the next clients. So it became a sprint university with 274 tools that are just around leading teams, leading sales, leading marketing, leading operations. At some point, it was our duty to share that with the world in an accessible way. And so the only piece missing was my time to actually sit down and write it. And that came with the pandemic. Thank you, pandemic. Love that. Love that. How did you find the process of writing, of writing a book? It's a bit quite different, isn't it? Oh, my God. Since I'm an Italian and I'm terrible with English, I had to team up. So otherwise, <laughs> it would become a terrible book. So, and that's maybe relevant for everybody. So when you create content, pick the natural flow. So are you a natural writer? Or maybe you are actually a talker, a teller. So I come from the Mediterranean. So I am a storyteller. You know, it's 6,000 years that we tell each other stories. That's how we... That's how we do civilization. That's how we do yeah. stuff in the Mediterranean. We tell stories. And so my natural way was not writing. I, I created videos. I created 274 videos. And then I teamed up with an editor and with a publisher because the publisher knows how to actually do books. And the editor knows exactly how to create that bridge from chapter to chapter, like a Netflix episode ending and you want to know how will the next episode start. So it was teamwork and then a graphic designer making it something that you actually want to look at. Yes. It was a team effort. Love that. Are you going to do an audio book? I might. Right now. You should do an audio book. Yeah, that's what the team is saying now. And I'm saying, yes, yes, let me, let me find time for that next year. <laughs> I love it. I'm actually also writing a book right now with a, with a, a good friend of mine, um, Stacey Shearer. And uh, it's been a really fascinating process. It, ours is on recruiting, only on recruiting. Because, you know, like everyone thinks recruiting is easy until they start having to recruit. And it's not so easy. So it's been a really interesting process. I'd never written a book either. And to your point, actually, I love I love conversation, storytelling and, and stuff like that and, and podcasts. And, and so there's some wonderful tools that enable you to get your content out verbally and then onto the paper. Um, so, yeah, it's been really, really fascinating. So but good yeah, for you. Malay sounds also Mediterranean. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, my, my family are Jewish and uh, my dad's from Egypt, mum's from South Africa, but I finally did my DNA did, did my DNA test uh, a while ago, and my family are all from like North Africa, Mediterranean, Eastern Europe. You, you know, really, really interesting uh, mix. So 
It's good to do. If you've never done a DNA test, you probably find that you share your way, share a lot more in common with people than you think. Yeah. And the process has been changing for me because I, I learned new skills. I learned to team up with, uh, with tasks that are bigger than I can. And that's the process of, of, of learning anything, right? It's finding your limits, finding what comes easy to you because that's your superpower. And also finding the courage to say, I need help with everything else. Who yeah. can help me? That exercise alone as a leader, as an entrepreneur to say, I need help. I don't know how to do this. Who can help me? That was a good process. And it helped, yeah, it helped literally brought together the right superpowers for that project. No, I love that. I think it's interesting over the last, well, since the pandemic, I think a lot of leaders really struggled because, you know, you had, I mean, suddenly everyone was working from home. Everyone was, people started to get burnt out. Some people started to get quite lonely at home. And the leadership role is a lonely role. You know, like everyone's looking at you for the answers. They're looking to you to, you're the person, right? You're the guy, you're the girl. I mean, and, and it's quite a lonely place. And a lot of, a lot of people privately admitted to me that, you know, like I'm struggling. Like I don't know what to, who to, who to seek help from. Everyone's looking at me for the answers. So you know, just uh, my, my message to these folks was saying that, like, you'd be surprised that everyone's going through the same thing. And I think if you reach out to other leaders and other people, there's a lot of folks that are really happy to help and share their experience. So I think to, to your point, like, seek out help. You know, like just because you're a leader. It doesn't mean you're immune from uh, from all of this stuff. Burnout in private or build in public. You have the choice. And we are all absolutely overwhelmed as leaders. There is not one of us that has a plan where they can rely 100% on that. This is exactly how I'm going to implement it because we have planning processes, hopefully, but every plan needs to be adapted all the time, yeah. every second day right now. So the first thing that you need is a planning processes. So in the strategies Prince book, I call this the strategy processes, the planning processes for marketing, for sales and for operations so that you can quickly change it every second day because it's easy to adapt. The second thing that you need is build it in public. You don't have to burn out in private. What does it mean? If you're an entrepreneur, there are amazing communities and masterminds of entrepreneurs that you can join. If you're a B2B business, there are B2B masterminds and communities. You can exchange, hey, how are you? what's working for you? What's working for you? Building on, on, on what's working in your space. If you are a CEO, you can go into CEO masterminds. How are you doing this? I have a, a case. Can we do some case work here together? And using the collective. So yes, it feels lonely. Yes, we are overwhelmed, but we don't have to. And you can even start your own mastermind. So what I did in the pandemic, I didn't want to burn out in private. And, you know, we're, I, we were building at the time something that wasn't existent in the world. Now it's there. But we were building the Jarvis 
of consulting. So the Jarvis for the Ironmans. And the Ironmans are all women and men right there building stuff that's bigger than they are. To me, right. they are superheroes. And so what does a superhero need? They need Jarvis. They need somebody that they can quickly ask, hey, should I do this or that? And then they go, give me a second. And then say, do this. Yeah, that's what superheroes need. And so we were building that, the fully digital Sprint University, 274 tools and a Jarvis accessible all the time. So that's what we were building. Nobody had built that. So I was super lonely. I had now two choices, burn out in private while I build it, like most entrepreneurs do, or open up, build in public. So what I did is I started a mastermind. I called it the Joint Venture Club. And I said, I'm a B2B entrepreneur building something bigger than myself. If you are also a B2B entrepreneur building something bigger than yourself, and if you feel that having sparring partners is helpful for you to create vendors list together, to support and challenge each other, to give work critique on landing pages, on email subject lines, on everything that you need to build right now, but you have somebody giving you work critique when you need it, and you know where to source people and how to hire and how to fire in the best way, come to the Joint Venture Club. And so it became a thing. It was just 10 people when we started. It's now 42 members. Great. And it's my favorite bunch of people. And we are helping each other so much. Love that. I love that. And that's that's kind of circles back nicely to your earlier comment about working on your business, not just in your business. Exactly. This is, you know, it's, 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 it's great. I mean, it's classic taking a moment to speak to people that are not in your business, but have a view on maybe how you should approach it. Yes. And, and now when they launch things, they have 41 others who go there. So let's say they write a book. And then in the beginning, you want to have Amazon reviews of your book. It helps a lot. So they have now 41 people going to Amazon and giving a review in the first week. Yeah. So this is the power of a community. And the, the only thing that's stopping you is this decision. Do you want to burn out in private or work in public? And many people say, yeah, but working in public makes me vulnerable. My experience has been, yes, it makes you vulnerable, but also much, much more resilient. Because yes. we are vulnerable anyways. That doesn't change. The only thing that changes, if you have other people showing you your blind spots and showing you what to improve right now, and then if you quickly implement what they tell you, you are kind, you are unstoppable because you have now many, many eyes and you know what to do next. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Such a great way to do it. It's also interesting because you talked to, touched on yoga. Um, you talked a little bit about the importance of having a group of folks around you that can challenge you on your business. So working on your business, not just in it. How do you just maybe to, to draw all together? How do you manage to integrate your your work and personal life and 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 how do you find the balance that, that many people are looking for <laughs> i'm i'm a, a father of three little children all all below seven so seven years ago my life changed quite radically and i couldn't 
be always in planes. So I had to reinvent my business to fit actually my life. And that was an amazing journey because I said, what if the business can actually nurture life? And we had so many old school models about how life looks like. One is in a suit and tie and I was in hotels most of the time and in planes, but my life was totally different. So I said, hey, my life is different. My life is, you know, in the morning feeding kids and then and then you are so dirty that you, you, you cannot be in a suit while you do that. No. And then I have some Zooms where I help people, one in Shanghai and one in London. And then I, I need to work out and I need to do some yoga. And then I want to pick my kids from school. And then I want to go for a walk with my wife and just talk life. And then I want to help again for CEOs who are in California because they're waking up now. And then I want to get to the kitchen and cook or go to soccer practice with my kids. I said, what if I take life? And you remember I was building the Jarvis. And so I said, what if I build the Jarvis also for us? And so it was a change of mindset. What if I say life is sacred and the relationships with you know young people, old people, people who need me. And then I build the business uh, around that instead of the other way. It worked, we can, the technology is here and you can build a business that actually supports your life and nurtures your life. It doesn't have to be a one-way street. Love that. I also have three children. They're all under eight, or, uh, they're all under nine. Well, my older one's nine soon. So I, I understand your your thing. I used to like, I used to probably, I only used to wear a suit and tie pre-COVID. And things have changed. I mean, it's not just, uh, I didn't like have kids and then become casual, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, the world's got a little bit like less suit and tie-y. But, but no, you're right. It, but it does take a lot of effort. Like it sounds easy, you know, how you described it. And it, but, but it, but, but it does, it does take a lot of work, you know, like similar to you, I, I like to exercise every day. I put it in my diary. Like it's the most important meeting, you know, like I've got a podcast with Simon Severina. I'm not moving it, you know, stick my, stick my exercise in there. And so I, it takes a lot of, a lot of work and yeah, discipline probably. And, and also like, I have to say, like, I'm lucky that I run my own business and I'm able to design it. Because again, like if you're in a company, I mean, some are asking people back five days a week now, some of the large banks. And so th there's a whole, you know, there's a whole variety. But um, yeah, you know, again, it's back to just be the CEO of your life. You know, like and you don't need discipline because when you say discipline, okay. yeah. um, I, I have learned I'm an Italian, so I come with no discipline. That's how I come to this planet. And now everybody says, but Simon, you run triathlons. You have all these systems. You, you write books and you, you build global companies. You are full of discipline. And I say, no, no, no. I have zero discipline. I have systems. And systems are more like rituals or, or habits. So you don't need discipline because discipline is something, you know, in the morning you have a lot and in the evening it's, it's, it's gone. So don't rely on discipline. It's, it's too hard. 
you can make it much easier, much easier by just having routines and rituals and habits. So I run on three habits because I have zero discipline, but I still, I will run a marathon in a month here, be in a marathon and, and I, I will be a productive member of society. Yes, very, very productive, but I don't run on discipline. I run on routines. So three habits that help me. Daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. And you will find them in the book. And you can also download the templates on strategiesprints.com. Daily habit, I write down how did I allocate my time and what will I delegate tomorrow? Every day. Takes me five minutes. But this is how you scale. Weekly habit, simple dashboard, the weekly Marketing number, sales number, operations number of this week. Only one number. And we have a list of numbers that are more suited than others to track. You just pick one for marketing, one for sales, and one for operations. And over the next 12 weeks, you just look at this simple dashboard with your team. 12 weeks. Monthly habit. What is competition doing? What else can my clients do? Where are we winning? So we will reinvest more into that. And where are we losing against competitors? So we will divest from there. Can we cut 15% costs and attention from where we are losing and reinvest it next month in where we are winning? Those three habits make me resilient and I can navigate all kinds of weathers and all kinds of waters. It's just three habits. I don't need any discipline for that. Love it. But you do have to get, but if you want to do the, the exercise stuff, I feel whether it's discipline, maybe, I mean, maybe people have a negative connotation towards discipline, you know, like when you're doing marathon training, when you're doing weight, whatever, you know, whatever it is, like a lot of people feel that the hardest thing is getting off the couch, you know? And I think, I think the interesting thing for your, your point is, is you, is you make it, a, 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 you know, you call it process or routine you know, however you want to describe it, but make it, you know, I don't know if you diarize it, but make it part of your life and suddenly it's integrated, right? And that's, this is, this is what you do. Like you go out for your run, you do your yoga, you run your marathon. And is that, is that your, is that the, the point to? Yes, make it fun, make it simple and fun. So today I was running with my running buddy, Andy. That's fun because we talk stuff. And then tomorrow I will be running alone I will probably pick today an audiobook. I love audiobooks and I've never time to read a proper book. So I listen to audiobooks. And since I run seven hours a week, and most audiobooks are around six to seven hours, I can listen to one book per week. That's 50 books per year. And I pick ones that I, you know, that give me inspiration or, or knowledge. They give me energy, actually. <clears throat> And so I'm running. I even forget that I'm running and I'm listening to those guys. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. I find it hard to listen when I'm running. I love running. I do a lot of marathons and stuff, um, much like you. Not triathlons. I think my swimming better. Um, I like CrossFit and I like running. But I, I like to, I find it very meditative running. You know, when you really, when you get into it, it's wonderful. You know, you get into rhythm and you're breathing slows and it's just, it's a good, uh, it's a good thing to do. But, um, but the audio books I'm with you on as well. I do love a good audio book. Love it. 
So basically, you need to get your audiobook recorded because how am I going to listen to it if I'm running? <laughs> I should. <laughs> you know what's funny? The publisher publisher told me that now the book is being translated in Chinese. And I said, oh, my God, you have to send me a copy. My kids, they will laugh so hard when they Love see it. their father's name in Chinese. They will, we, we all will be laughing. And so please send me a book. And they go, yeah, yeah, in 18 months. You'll have the book. It's 18 months. The book is done. It's ready. Chat GPT can translate it in two minutes, probably. Yeah. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the Chinese <laughs> like to approve stuff. So they will read it first and oh, approve wow. it. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, it feels like that will be automated soon, too, I think. But uh, <laughs> but, no. but good for you. Look, Simon, great, great to great to chat with you i think um I, I really i really like to i like to listen to what you have to say it's interesting and um where can we get the book so obviously you mentioned amazon so i presume jump on amazon is it out yet or strategies prince is on amazon yeah. uh, it, it's out there and if you want the the templates that we were talking about the weekly habits daily habits monthly habits you can go to strategiesprince.com download them for free they're open source and if you're if you want to talk about your own leadership journey, you'll find me at strategiesprints.com. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, hold on one second. I'm going to play our outro and then we can, uh, we can download afterwards. But thank you, everyone, for joining. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all the comments and stuff. And, and see you all soon. Thank you so much for watching. Hope you enjoyed it. Please do not forget to subscribe in all the usual places, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you like to watch or listen to a podcast. Any comments or feedback, please drop us a DM. If you've got anything that you want us to discuss, again, feel free to get in touch. Have a wonderful day.